You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. George Denekian, Josh Parrish, and joining us via Zoom in this magic world of ours, uh, Robbie Thompson. Uh, Robbie, we were just talking to Jason Pine, uh, who works for Sky Sports in New Zealand. Uh, we've been talking Wellington Phoenix. We've been talking about the Women's World Cup. We've talked about a, a, a number of things, and certainly there's been a buzz around the game. And I wonder, is that one of the reasons why you've returned from overseas, where you've spent, I suppose, the last, what, 15 years rubbing shoulders with some of the biggest names in the game? Um, it, it was exactly for that reason. Just because, like like all of us that love football no matter what that starts at home and uh and that's something that i always thought was was so important that people watch and i it's a little hypocritical to say this considering i left in in 2000 to go and be closer to what i imagined was was incredible professional football which which it was i had an incredible journey um over 21 years but always somewhere in the back of my mind was was to come back and and relive a little bit of what I lived when I was a, a teenager and going. I mean, I, I grew up in Canberra. I was watching the Canberra Cosmos when they started going and watching your local soccer. I was always playing. I moved to Melbourne. I went and watched the NSL. And then eventually, for me, the path led me overseas in, in my job to do what I do. But, um, no, I always wanted to come back. And when I, 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 I spent two years at Fox back in... Um, 2011 to 2013, I left again and I saw that it was struggling. And then with this new deal, and I spoke to a lot of people, I spoke to a lot of people in Europe, a lot of people here about what they thought the vibe was like and whether this was the moment. It was a good moment for me, I felt. And uh, and so everyone said, look, it's all happening. We're going to try and build something new. It's a new start and everything. And, yeah, I wanted to be a part of it. You know, it's interesting listening to you talking uh, about something that you've loved and have a huge passion for. And that gives me enormous uh, filler because that's the sort of thing I want to hear in any field of endeavour. Yeah, if you're an absolutely. architect, if you don't love what you do, why are you doing it? If you're an artist if you, and you don't like, you know, whatever that art is and you don't want to, you know, it's a drudge, get out of it. Uh, to hear you saying... I, I, I love this game, but I left. Well, I understand why you left. Uh, I was part of uh, something very special at the very beginning at SBS, but I had to leave so that it could improve. It's in, in, a, in a strange sort of way. I remember saying to someone, if I had never left SBS, there'd be no Mary Costakides. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And they look at me kind yeah. of funny. And they don't realise the politics of the day, the way we were thinking. You know, since you've been away, this country has changed in a myriad of different ways. And here we are, you come back, just as one of the mainstream uh, uh, television stations that was once owned by Rupert Murdoch, now owned by CBS Viacom, who are huge uh, uh, supporters of the American women's team. They've Uh seen how the game, and of course America in a couple of years' time after Qatar, they're the next cab on the rank. It's going to be a huge event there. And they're getting in here and they're putting some skin in the game. And that's when I thought, and I said to the boys here, uh, guys, this is different. Mm. This is going to be different. Yes, it's not perfect yet. It's like everything, though. You've got to put that moment 
and say, this is where we start. Now, everyone starts to realise that that's the bare minimum. And from now on, it's got to be better. Last night, you were in one of those wonderful havens of football. Uh-huh. It was Sydney Olympic, my team. Actually, it was Panhellenic when I, when I was playing. <laughs> then it became Sydney Olympic under John Constantine and others. And they were playing the latest and the best in the A-League, and that was Sydney. And the, the conditions, you can tell us, because you were there. Miserable, I bet, huh? Yeah, but it was great. That's what, I mean, that's what it's all about. And the fans were there. There were probably four and a half thousand. This guy's a caller. This guy loves to call football. He was calling Hand of Elvis. (laughs) Hand of Elvis. Yeah, well, and it's, but they're all part of the stories, aren't they? I mean, I felt a little bit bad because I felt bad for, and I said it in the commentary, it was a two-goal buffer, but if it became a one-goal buffer, yeah, you know, and it was, and sometimes we forget. I was with Daniel Georgievsky, and and he's he grew up in in that as well in the, before before the A League, and we were and we were we were joking a little bit about the Suvlaki and about because I played in Melbourne with a Greek team, and I used to go and watch South Melbourne play, and all of this was. And I used to, we'd go and play against a Croatian side or a Serbian side and we'd, the smells and the, all the different food, you'd play against a Chilean side, it was different. <laughs> I mean, it was Italians, it was, for me, as a, you know, Anglo-Aussie whose dad sells cars and mum's a ballet teacher, this was a whole new world mm. in, in Canberra. And I went to uni and studied Italian because of it and watching Serie A and all it, it was just beautiful and, and it all came back. And so we were chatting so much about it last night just because that nostalgia, mm. we, we do lose it in football. And I know very well because I've spent the last 10 years at, at a, one of the biggest clubs in the world. That and I've seen right. how there is, yeah, with PSG. And there's not a whole lot of room for nostalgia, uh-huh. not inside a big club, not inside a – It's and it's a business. Mm. It's a business mm. and – and I learned to appreciate that in a whole new way because the fans can be nostalgic and the fans have to be nostalgic because that's why football is so big. Bravo. But if you're running a club, if you're working inside a club, look, look at Sydney FC, who are the most stable, who are there week in, week out, years, season after season. Look at the big sides in Europe. They do it because... It's super professional. Mm. It's incredibly professional to the nth degree. And, yes, we call the players mercenaries. Yes, we say it's big business. It's modern football. Mm. Look, it was always probably that way a little bit, you know. The best, best, you put the money there, you got the best players. And so, for me, it was nice. There was a nice mix of nostalgia and and the modern game last night. The weather was miserable, but, you know, that just adds to the occasion. And look, it was great. It was it was fantastic, and that's you know for me that's what football is is all about. Robbie, the week before it was South Melbourne against Melbourne City, and yeah. the weather was just as bad. <laughs> and and uh, and we and yet we still saw a magnificent free kick that took the full height of Tom Glover at uh, absolute uh, as far as he can go to keep it out. So yeah. you know you saw some dynamic talent from a lower yeah, team. Yeah. To your team, and I and I reminded people last night on on uh, on Twitter, and I said to them, "Hey guys, part timers against full timers, don't yeah. don't sell South, uh, you know South Melbourne or for that matter Sydney Olympic short." What they did last night was remarkable because 
uh, Robbie, you'll tell us the competition has been finished in the in the NPL for how long? Months. Months. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, how, months do you keep, months. how do you keep them buoyed? How do you keep them up? How do you keep them competitive and that sharp edge? And this is the difficulty of trying to – well, COVID has played an evil hand here because these games were meant to be played. Eviler than Elvis's? Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, you, you touched on the, the, the Elvis one. Um, here's the comment that, um, uh, that Josh mentioned before we started today because I said to him, oh, we've got to talk about the hand of Elvis. He says, yeah. you know what? <laughs> he said, what happens if there was VAR? Yeah? We complain about VAR all the time. And then when the VAR's not around, we yeah, complain exactly. that there was no VAR. But, exactly. But, but, you know, the extra goal that they scored, that made it 4-2, they, they scored that because they were ahead. Would they yeah. have done – would they have been as adventurous or brave? Probably, but we can't say would Olympic sure. have been pushing so far forward? Yes, yes. You know? Yeah. No, no, it's a, if, it was, if it was 2-2 still, that's a, that's a very different last Whoa. five minutes of the match. Penalty no, no, shootout, that, Robbie Thompson. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Robbie, Tom, Tom, Thomas, tell us, um, what is the role of the modern-day commentator then? For, for me, the role has always been what it's always been, and I grew up listening to, to well, on, on SBS, on ABC, we had the English football on a yep. Monday night match of the day, yep. and then the Italian football arrived with Peter Brackley, with Martin Tyler, um, watching that on a Sunday morning. There were our guys with 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 Les and and Johnny commentating the the young Socceroos that yep. type of thing those incredible tournaments, um, and I don't think it's changed that much, has it? From 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 back then, the way we commentate. For me, a commentator is is to be, and this is a trying to mix up a a, a metaphor or a proverb, is to be heard <laughs> but not seen. Insofar as I'm just there to help the viewer enjoy the football match. One yeah. thing that, that always frustrated me watching football back in the old days, in the NSL days, and one of the reasons maybe why, and I've tried to work out why I left, but one of the reasons was no one knew who the players were in the NSL. Mm. No one, you know, we had fantastic players. We had Paul Trimboli at South Melbourne, who was Star. A, an incredible footballer, and no one knew him. And we all knew Les and Johnny, yeah, yeah, which is good. Which you need those those heads of of your your juggernaut, but no one knew the players' names. And for me, that's what the commentator is there to do. You have to you have to talk. You have to give a bit of a you know a bit of music, a bit of emotion, a bit of nostalgia, and everything. But you have to help the viewer understand what they're watching, and that means understand the players' names help them identify who is doing something well, but not impose, not, not tell them what I think. I, yeah. I've got a consultant next to me, a pundit, who can analyse, give a bit of analysis and say that my role is literally just to make the thing go smoothly, to, you know, to make the viewing experience as enjoyable and as inobtrusive as possible and have at the end of the game, I hope, people think, oh, wow, that was pretty fun actually. When we had, when we, when I was at SBS, we had Hugh Johns come down under, and I yeah. spent a few weeks listening and watching him work. And he would go to every training session, and he yeah. would he would go and find out how they pronounced their name, uh, who their mother and father was, uh, what sort of things the parents had done, and he would ask. He would go out and wander around the the, the club rooms, mm-hmm. and talk to those who'd been part of the fabric of that club for a lifetime. 
and he would use some of those little drops, those golden drops, in the in that game cast when when mm-hmm. when it was time to call the game, and that was the level of uh, investment that he was pay- he was paying and putting in, and that to me is some of the magic. That yeah, is some absolutely. of the magic, absolutely. And, but it's and great with that in can... mind, I no. want you to reach in now. You were part of Paris Saint-Germain. You were part of that opportunity to, to speak mm-hmm. to guys or interview guys like Zlatan. Now, we all have an opinion of Zlatan. He's a, he's a, he's a remarkable, larger-than-life character. What's he like to interview? Legend. <laughs> Come on. Only thing you can Come say on, about Zlatan, he's just a legend. We had, and, and I can tell you the, the funny stories. Basically, he was king. He was the king of Paris Saint-Germain, um, when he arrived, and and when I arrived, basically I arrived. They they I was I was in Australia when PSG called me because I'd been working on and off for them for years before I I came back in 2011, and they called me and said, "Look, we we need a TV show. We're going full time international. The Qataris are here. We want you to make the TV show, voice it, and we'd also like you to interview our players and stuff because we've got some that don't speak. You know, you speak French and, and English. That would be great." So I went in there with with Zlatan first up and just he was surprised that they had someone finally speaking English. So we got on perfectly right from the start. So there was no problem there. He was good mates with a, a Brazilian called Maxwell who'd followed him and played with him at Ajax and at Barca and at Inter. And um, I got on really well and still do with, with Max, who's a, who's a great guy. So that helped. So Zlatan was always good with me until, uh, and this was a, this was the moment where Zlatan, went off on one. There was a, we lost a game in Bordeaux and he was walking off and going, France is a bleep, bleep, bleep country that doesn't deserve PSG. The referees here are bleep, 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 bleep. And the whole country just went, what? 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 Who is this arrogant bleep, bleep, bleep (laughs) playing football here and telling us we're all crap. And, uh, and so the club said, look, we've got to get Zlatan to apologize. And so I had to do the interview with Zlatan. And there we did the interview, asking the same three questions. Um, me restructuring questions, asking a different way, just trying to get him to say, "Sorry, I'm sorry mm. for saying what I said about your country." Yep. You know, he started off just by saying, "What am I going to say sorry for? I pay more tax in this country than any other person. <laughs> I am the the one that helps this country more than anyone, and I don't want to be a role model. I'm a football player." Mm. And he, Zlatan, was always. In, and is incredibly intelligent as well. Oh, yeah. Don't be fooled by no, that. No, no. He's a smart cookie that knows exactly what he's on about. And so we finally got him to say, look, and he, 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 he structured it to say, I'm sorry if any young kids that, that look up to me saw that and, and were a bit upset with the, what I had said. It's not, a, it's not a good thing. And the club took it, took about 25 seconds of what he'd said and played it the next day. And he saw it and thought it had been taken out of context. And he was furious and he didn't talk to me like in an official capacity, refused to do interviews, blanked us, even quite aggressively blanked us <laughs> on camera um, saying that he would not talk to us because he, he felt like he'd just been traitored, betrayed by the, by the club. And so it got a little bit hairy and then finally he came around and, and, and we got on fine again. So, yeah, but funny, you don't, don't mess with certain elements in a, in a changing room like that either. Thiago Mota, tough guy, brilliant footballer. Wow. 
give him some space occasionally. Bobby Thompson is our guest on FNR's State of Our Football Nation, one of the new commentary team that uh, is making a difference uh, for uh, CBS Viacom, Paramount Plus and Channel 10. Exciting times. You've got the Matildas coming up, my friend. Brilliant. And, and they're not playing just anybody. They're playing the number one team in the world. Uh, you Absolutely. Ready? I noticed uh, you sent them to Taronga Park Zoo <laughs> just to, to feel a little uh, more comfortable with all the, the animals. W- what are we expecting on the weekend? Well, it's a new look USA team, but they are, without a doubt, they are the strongest team in world football. I think Canada may have won the the gold medal at the Olympics. Sweden Mm. got second. And perhaps this is what we're seeing, a transition phase. But I worked for FIFA TV at the World Cup in 2019 in France, and the, the US team was just untouchable. And what was so incredible about it, and I think is something for for the Australian team to look up for, and I think the Australian girls do look up to what the American team has achieved, um, they were just so competitive, so focused, so sure of themselves. Everything you'd say about a men's football team was personified in this USA women's team. They, They were there to win. They knew they were the best. Players like Megan Rapinoe, um, Alex Morgan, Carly mm. Lloyd, they're, they're multiple world champions, multiple Olympic gold medalists, and they were there talking about this culture, this winning culture. So it's a new-look team. There are a couple of players there, um, Rose Lavelle, Lindsay Horan, who I knew from PSG days. Um, she's coming out. She's a fantastic footballer. So, look, Australia is going to get a lesson, not on the football pitch, but a lesson in in what it takes to be the very best. They're going to see this culture because they're bringing through new players ready for the World Cup in Australia in 2023, Australia and New Zealand. And this American team, they're starting to build now. Two years out, they know they're going to, perhaps the Olympics, they struggled a little bit. They've said, okay, now we change things up. And they're going to build this team for the next year and a half, the next two years to be ready for the World Cup it's impressive, and I hope the fans that go out there, a record crowd, hopefully uh, on Saturday afternoon to see the Matildas. And it's going to be a brilliant contest because the Matildas are getting stronger and stronger. The Matildas are we're going to have that home support that buoy them. We know that Australia loves them. It's going to be a, a fantastic contest. Robbie, uh, I don't come from a, a football supporting family, and I'm slowly converting them, slowly <laughs> pushing the uh, the old. Pop I don't again. either. I don't either. I don't know where I got it from. <laughs> yeah, nor do I. But uh, one player in the Matildas who's who's helped, uh, I think, on that that journey of of discovering the beautiful game for my family is Ellie Carpenter, because mm. they just love her her spirit. You know, she gets knocked down, she gets up again, but. I mean, she's exhilarating when played in her natural position at right back, and I think that's something that the Matildas coach has learned recently to, to not shift her too much from there because she's so effective going forward. And she plays for Olympic Lyonnais uh, mm-hmm. in France, uh, one of the great dynasties of women's football. Just how good do you have to be to make it in that environment? You have to, to play for Olympic Lyonnais, you have to be very, very, very good. Without doubt, one of the, the best in the world. Before the Americans all got repatriated back to the United States, Rapino played for for Olympic Lyonnais. They won five UEFA Champions League titles in a row before last season. Um, To play for Olympic Lyonnais is is something very special. And Ellie Carpenter won. They had a difficult year last year. They lost Mm. the league to Paris Saint-Germain. They were eliminated from the Champions League early. And Ellie Carpenter, with her spirit, just won everyone over. She was, without a doubt, the best right back in the country. France is a fully professional league. 
that has been for, for a number of years before the new money in the English Women's Premier League, which is a, a fantastic league as well and is probably going to overtake the French League. But, but Olympic Lyonnais are the best team in women's football. They have the best players in women's football and Ellie Carpenter is part of that. It's like playing for, for Barcelona or Real Madrid or Juventus in the women's game. And she is there and she is one of the leaders in that side. Uh, Saturday, the game in the afternoon, on what channel? 3 p.m. on 10 Bold. Okay, which is one of the terrestrial channels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So it's, it's on for young and old. And who's your uh, co-commentator? My co-commentator is Georgia, uh-huh. who's a five-time Matilda and uh, defender for formerly of the Western Sydney Wanderers. So Georgia will be... Uh, in the hot seat next to me. I'm looking forward to that as well because, shit, I know it's fantastic to to have a woman calling the woman's game, women's game as well, and uh, especially one with that kind of knowledge and insight. The women's football, women footballers are a, a fantastic breed of person as well that call it straight, that have, that have more than just a, an idea about the game. They have an idea about what it means to other girls and to a, to a whole movement to be part of something special. So it'll be fantastic to get her insight as well. Uh, I hope we can get you back on, uh, if not a regular uh, contribution, a semi-regular way, because we have so much to learn, not only for, for your love of the game, but where you guys are doing what you're doing and why you're doing it and how you're helping to shape a whole new era in the game. Very exciting for us. Uh, FNR is part of that journey too. Uh, Absolutely. feel like you've got friends here. Thank you very much on short notice to come in and join us, and we apologise for the technical different, uh, dif- difficulties. All that, my fault. I'm a, a technical nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie Fantastic Thompson. Fantastic gentleman. Thank you very All much. All the very best. There you go.